0: Hi, everybody. Welcome to another episode of the same 24 hours podcast. I'm your host, Meredith Atwood. Today's guest is the incredible Scott Rigsby. Scott is a double amputee, Ironman, triathlete who was not always an athlete, but after he lost both of his legs over the course of a decade, um, after an accident, he became an inspiration for not only people wanting to get off the couch, but especially our veterans. He founded the Scott Rigsby Foundation, which serves to inspire and to provide tools to our veterans with both vis- visible um, injuries and also those invisible injuries that can occur. Um, Scott dealt with um, a brain injury after his accident, and so he also works with these veterans to help them through those types of injuries as well as the physical. In addition to the amazing work the foundation is doing, they team up with Iron Man for Iron Man 70.3 Augusta, every year to provide um, entries to, to racers, to able-bodied athletes that are interested in sponsoring veterans who are also racing. And this is a really great opportunity if you're looking to get a late season race in and also fundraise for the foundation and help inspire some of these athletes out there. So listen to the podcast for more information on that. And also check out the foundation website at scottrigsbyfoundation.org. Enjoy the show. Right into it and get you to tell the world your story.
1: Well, I was a, an 18-year-old kid, and I was sitting in the back of a pickup truck with uh, two of my best friends from high school, working a uh, summer job, a little landscaping job before I went off to college. And this 18-wheeler uh, went to pass us. Uh, we were pulling a flatbed trailer with some big industrial lawnmowers in the back. And when he went to pass us, he didn't realize that there was a small, uh, narrow bridge up ahead, and he tried to fit both of—he was trying to fit both of our vehicles on the bridge. He clipped our vehicle; it got—I got knocked off because I was sitting on the back of this pickup truck with two of my best friends from high school, and and my legs got lodged underneath our flatbed trailer, and I literally got dragged down the road over 324 feet on the pavement. Uh, my friend in the middle grabbed my other friend or he would have been crushed between the side of the truck and the bridge and then went to grab for me. I wasn't there, so he kind of frantically started beating on the back of the glass tell the driver stopped, until the damage was done. So in just a matter of, you know, uh, seconds, my life radically changed. And that's kind of when I first started my journey of being a single-leg amputee. Uh, and then I would, I would have my right leg removed below the knee, and then um, my left leg, it would, it would take 12 years and 26 eventual surgeries before I removed it, and then I became a double amputee.
0: And so, how old are you now?
1: I just turned 49.
0: Okay, and what was the period of time like, I mean, you sunk into a very deep depression for many years. Mm-hmm. So what? When did you kind of? Well, talk about that a little bit.
1: Well, I mean, when I had, I mean, if you think about it, I mean, if just taking yourself, we can most most of us can kind of remember when we were teenagers. There's this feeling of in, invincibility, and uh, you know nothing's going to happen to me, and it happens to everybody else, and I'm sorry, and you you read about it on the news or hear about it. And that, I mean, I was really no different. I I just thought it wasn't that I was cocky or arrogant. I just was a normal teenager. and I just thought that I was invincible. And when this happened, it radically changed my life. It turned my life upside down. And uh, at that time, uh, the worst thing that happened to me was not me losing or the potential of me losing limbs, but undiagnosed traumatic brain injury. And so, for a long period of time, uh, uh, many years went by before I was actually diagnosed. Um, almost 20 years went by before I was actually diagnosed with it. And then, um, you know, went through cognitive therapy and and went through counseling to treat those um, kind of results of that. Um, very in in. It, it didn't happen to me. It have like this catastrophic event didn't happen to me. It happened to my family and to my community. Um, so, um, that's why I'm so passionate about, um, our service members and, and helping our wounded ill and injured service members, um, and their families because, um, the results of war, um, whether it's an invisible injury or a kind of, blatant, obvious physical injury. Uh, It didn't happen just to that individual. It happened to that family and it happened to that community.
0: So you found some of your passion back through endurance sports and obviously founded the Scott Rigsby Foundation, which is what you're you're talking about a little bit with um, regard to the veterans. But let's talk really quickly about some of the amazing athletic accomplishments that you have done um, as a Did you do any as a single amputee, or was it all as a double?
1: You know, as a single amputee, um, no, I wasn't really able to be very active because on my, when they, you know, they call it limb salvage, and back when this accident happened almost 31 years ago, um, they would have taken off both my legs normally. And that really would have been the best case scenario. That, which probably is what should have happened. Mm -hmm. But there's this, there was such fear amongst uh, my family, especially my mom and dad, that, oh gosh, if, you know, he's so, he's really active and he works out every day. um, But this would just devastate him if he lost both of his legs. So my left leg, when I had the accident, my calcaneus, my heel bone was completely drug off so that I'd have to have bone grafts and skin grafts and muscle grafts and had at least 17 surgeries probably in that first year just to make me this man-made makeshift leg. And when I actually, when I would run, um, there was almost like a seam on the bottom. Well, there was a seam on the bottom of my leg and where the donor skin, where they took bone chips from my back and skin from my thigh and muscle from underneath my arm and made me an ankle, well, that would break down. The tissue would break down and it would bleed or it would ooze and, and so I, the more active I became or wanted to become, you know, I could not do any running. or because i couldn't feel it it was numb and and i literally would go home some days if i just tried to go for a little short job and we're talking about like uh, one or two miles what we're talking about one or two times around the track yeah we come home and my shoe would be filled full of blood well i didn't know that because the donor skin had really no feeling right um so that you know taking off that limb was a, a great deal of freedom because i finally was able to start running or, or in being active again um i had i would work work out with weights i did weight training and i did kind of the more high intensity training back then and, and i and i would run after i did that so that was kind of my extent of running but i had never even run i didn't i had never even done a 5k a, uh, actually that's kind of funny that I with two biological legs I never get a 5k right Yeah. Right. <laughs> or even um, I had never even done a mile fun run uh-huh.
0: um,
1: which is kind of humorous and my doctor told me well I hadn't done done one but I, when I would work out I would run probably the equivalent of three or four miles but um, never entered in a race or anything like that. but my doctor told me because you know that, that my running days were over and that I would not be able to run.
0: And so what what year or what age were you when you had uh, your left leg amputated?
1: So the accident happened in 86, and then I took off my left leg in June 22nd um, 1998.
0: Okay, And so that's when you, felt the freedom to start racing?
1: Well, 98, that's when I just felt the freedom of being able to feel like a normal person. Okay. Um, Because with this makeshift man-made leg, I was not able to stand on it very long. And so there was not only this inability to be, you know, athletic in any kind of way or pursue any athletic endeavors, there was also this you know it created this sedentary lifestyle because i wasn't able to stand on it very long just imagine you know trying to go to a concert that was you know pretty much impossible for me unless they had a place to sit down right and so because i just couldn't weight bear on that leg very much um and then uh, you know i didn't really get kind of this vision to pursue any kind of athletic endeavor until um, I was really at the lowest point of my life. It was was December of 2005. So I had this leg off uh, in 98, the second leg off, really got my freedom. And then fast forward to December 2005, um, I was really at one of the lowest points of my life. You know, did not want to live anymore. Um, I had uh, through a head injury or through a traumatic brain injury, and um, through just mixing, you know, prescription medications and uh, excessive alcohol abuse, um, I just I had squandered over a million dollars uh, from a personal injury settlement. Um, I was just lost. And I didn't, you know, I kind of looked over my life and evaluated at that point, and I didn't really see much. To, that I didn't see that I was of value to other people. I didn't see I was valued value to my family. I felt like that I, in fact, I was estranged from my family, and I, I didn't feel like that I was a value to the world at all. And so I just wanted to kind of give up. My parents had been married for a long time almost like 50 years at that time. And, so it was like, I'm just going to go home and, you know, I was living up here in Atlanta and I said, I'm just going to go home to South Georgia. I'm going to say goodbye to them. I'm going up here. And I'm going to figure out a way to end my life because I just didn't want to be here anymore. And um, and so I, I, I drove down there and I was laying on my parents' living room floor, tears streaming down my face. And my mom's a very devout woman of faith and I asked her to come and say like a little prayer over me and it didn't seem like it worked at all and then I just said hey you know I just kind of cried out to uh, God and said hey I, I don't know how to do anything special um, there's nothing really special about me but you know I've gotten these kind of crazy looking curved legs and I've run on them maybe once or twice, and you know, not very far. But um, if you open up a door for me, then I'll run through it. Mm-hmm. And so that was it. My, you know, my her- parent's house didn't split open. and Some kind of angelic choir came in. And, <laughs> you know, the, some kind of laser beam. You know, from some spaceship didn't beam in on me. You no, know, it was it was very anticlimactic. But about to. Uh, yeah, you know, maybe even less than two weeks later, I walk into this bookstore down in Sandy Springs, a suburb of Atlanta, and, and uh, I walk in there and and uh, I see a magazine, I open it up, uh, I see a young lady with an artificial leg, and open it up, and and it's talking about the you know some of the Hawaiian Iron Man mm-hmm. I was like, okay maybe I saw this when I was a kid on television, but I know this thing looks kind of crazy. I don't know anything about it. And, you know, so it was talking about, you know, the swim and the bike and the run, and this is the Super Bowl, the World Cup of Triathlons, and talking about the military history, you know, starting with 15, you know, military men and 12 finishing, and the one that finished gets this dinky little trophy. It's very <laughs> And fast forward years later, you know, I'm reading about this exciting race that has, you know, probably two thousand participants and they have and they even have a physically challenged athlete category. Right. I was like, wow man, this is really exciting. You know, and then it's like this light bulb popped up over my head and it was like, This is what you were created to do. If you don't do anything else with your life, if you do this one thing it will not only radically change your life, but it'll change the lives of literally tens of millions of people around the world. (laughs) And so it's like, that is a crazy thought. But then I opened up the next magazine over and immediately the one article that I came to was uh, opened up to this, one of our wounded service members and he had lost his leg in a roadside bomb. And he wasn't doing Ironmans, but he was doing triathlons. And I had a picture of him with his, you know, bike and prosthetic leg. And I was like, this has got to be a sign that I'm supposed to do this. But the problem about that was, is I, I didn't know how to swim without legs. Right. Then, you know, it's, a, it's one thing to swim with legs. I didn't swim without legs. And, you know, it was like, and every time I tried, it was just like I was, you know, like a kid bat in the water, I just couldn't get the hang of it. And so I didn't try it. And so then I did not have a bike. I didn't you know, I saw then the magazine where they had a bunch of fancy bikes. I was like, I can't afford one of those. I was working a job that wasn't going anywhere and I was losing money every month, but I could couldn't afford to give up the money that I was actually losing. And um then uh the run piece of it, I mean, you know, I, I hadn't run very far, I just was running in the parking lot. My physical therapist wanted to make sure that I could run across the street. That was kind of the extent of my run training. And I was 20 years past my prom, my dad reminded me of that uh, affectionately, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's all our parents do when we have crazy ideas. And right. Not to try to be discouraging, but he's trying to, you know, bring some realism to that picture. So in spite of all the laundry list of that I had for myself, and, you know, here I am. I'm trying to do this endurance event, but not just an endurance event, but I'm trying to go after the Super Bowl or the World Cup of triathlon, and I have this brain injury and this brain injury has caused narcolepsy so now i'm this guy with this (laughs) narcoleptic tendencies that is incredibly tired that can fall asleep at any moment and i'm trying to stay awake for 17 hours but not unless much less to stay awake for 17 hours i'm trying to endure something that nobody at that time had even gotten close to right I mean, maybe there might have been a double amputee out there that had finished a sprint. I don't know. They don't even keep records, Uh so I don't know how far anybody got. It didn't really matter to me unless, you know, what mattered to me was that was Everest for me in the triathlon world, and certainly for a double amputee, that was our Everest. And I wanted to be the first person to climb Everest to make people believe that if I could do that, then they could, whatever their unthinkable was, which I thought at the time, this is really unthinkable. um, For me, I I don't need to think about this anymore, but the more, it was like the white elephant in the room. The more I thought about it, the more kind of obsessed and the more driven and the more passionate I became about it. And not so much for me just standing up on the mountain. But for me being able to throw a rope back down the mountain and be able to pull people up. Right. That was my main goal is it was never about, you know, hey, look at me, I did this. No, it was about I understood the two things that I have common with every person that I meet. That's pain and that's loss. I mean, they look at me and they're like, wow, okay. That I guy's sp- experienced a, an enormous amount of pain and loss, but yet they have no clue the pain and loss that I've endured inside or at the cause of this traumatic brain injury. Mm-hmm. It's hells really in comparison to anything that I've faced physically. And so I wanted to be able to help those people with in- invisible injuries and that have impacted their families and their loved ones and their communities. And um, so that's where I just kind of started. us with not focusing on what I, not what I couldn't do, but focusing on what I could do.
0: So what was the time period from the point you picked up that magazine or the two magazines and then you crossed the finish line in Hawaii?
1: Uh, it would have, so that would have been January of 2006 and I finished, um, Kona in, uh, 2007. So it been a year and 10 months.
0: So in a year and 10 months, you learned how to swim and bike and you ran more than a couple times around your block.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, you know, in, in April, one of the, you know, Uh, A lot of people know uh, Tony Myers, and, you know, I didn't know how to ride a bike. I just, you know, so, I and then trying to figure out, like, parts and all this kind of craziness that goes along with prosthetics, you know, Tony was an absolute, you know, godsend to me uh, in terms of, like, um, you know, somebody that could oversee like this kind of crazy one is he didn't laugh at me you know he's like okay yeah let's let's put together a plan well let's tell everyone
0: who Tony is
1: well Tony Tony Mars from uh, uh, the athletic training center and um, athletic training services and um, he runs a spin studio uh, down in Buckhead kind of down, down in Atlanta and um, I mean, if it, if it wouldn't have been for Tony, if, I think if Tony would have said, I don't think you can do this, I think this is just, you know, craziness, I don't know that I, I would have, I, I don't know if I, it would have, it would have taken me a while to bounce back.
0: Yeah. Yeah. It's really it, important to have those people that give you that permission, even if your dream is crazy, but they kind of get right behind you. And support the crazy. Like, they're so necessary.
1: <laughs> yeah. And so he's the owner of Athletic Training Services, and they do a lot of group rides, and, and he's done coaching and training and things like that. And really, you know, I mean, he could have shut everything down, but, but he didn't. And it was through his encouragement and through his network of people that I started be, being able to assemble a group of people that would help me kind of move myself down the unthinkable journey. And so I'm just so very grateful and blessed to have, have met him, know him, um, and um, and I, I certainly wouldn't be where I have, um, you know, what I've done today, you know, it could have just ended real quick if he hadn't have started to pour some gas onto the fuel. and. And just get, help me kind of think outside the box about how can I how can I get where I need to go, um, and you know I got with Pete Higgins he's a, a, a he, he just retired after about forty years of teaching people how to swim over at Westminster one of the private schools here in town and he's probably won thirty state championships and just an amazing man I I called him up and said hey you know um, I want to do this, and he said, "Well, come on over." And he would sneak me into his uh, pool. Uh, We'd go there on Sundays, and we'd learn how to swim. And he'd give me some lessons during the week, and he'd see if I, you know, could figure it out during the week. And there's just so many people like that that are, you know, just seem like they were divinely placed in my life at strategic points. Of these critical points that just help me keep going. That's why, I you know, I hope that anyone that ever meets me doesn't think that I have a prideful bone in my body because I really don't. I'm, I'm, I'm very, um, uh, very humbled by by the amount of support and these key people that have been placed in my life that I know that there's absolutely no way that i could have done this by myself right um and i just hope that if they hear this that they know the gratitude that i you know that i walk around with and that i share with people and um um i just you know i I try to pay it forward you know i remember that scene from like um uh saving private ron where he's you know it's the beginning of the movie and he's he's talking about it you know did i make a difference you know did you know when his life is you know toward those you know twilight era uh you know times and you know he just thinks back am i making a difference and I, i think about all their sacrifices i think about their investments whatever wherever i am right and i am very grateful and I, I try to pay it forward.
0: So you set out, when you set out on this journey to take on the world championships in, in Hawaii, you had um, the military and veterans in mind. When did that actually come into play and you start working, like when did you start your foundation and what is the goal of that and, and what's coming down the pipeline?
1: Well, um, probably my fir- my first, you know, Well, it really started this journey started with an inspiration I mean, because when I was in that sedentary phase Even the fall of 2005 You know, we were really into We had had September 11th that happened And we really into this war effort And, you know, I would see so many people um, Coming back with traumatic brain injuries Or PTSD or loss of mobility Or loss of limbs And really the the loss of limb things really got me. You know, I'd see that on TV, and I was like, I just wish there was something that I could do to help. So when I got this vision January of 2006, you know, and started my first small-distance triathlon and uh, down in Panama City, a little sprint triathlon down there in April of 2006, I encountered military people. And then it just, it just began to... Snowball effect, and it began to, you know, I began to ask to get this. The more active I became, the more I got speaking engagements and invitations to go to these different military bases, and I pretty much got a, an invite to about every military base that we have, and have spoken at a vast majority of them. And it was just, it, it was, it like I said, it just a snowball effect, and I, I have you know with social media you've never we have never had this many people have access to us but we only have a certain amount of time in the day to live our lives and so we're inundated constantly through social media and it just began to grow and it's and it, it can get overwhelming and and when you really have your heart in the right place to to serve others I mean, you can really burn yourself out or just wear yourself down or make yourself sick. And then I'm trying to do this monumental task. Um, so I, I need—I knew that I needed to get help, I, that I could only help a certain amount of people. But I knew um, what my heart was is that I said, okay, if I could get people to uh, – if I could get people to engage in the lives of these veterans like I engage in their lives, they wouldn't have had to lose a limb or they, they can they've under they understand pain and they understand loss. So they can show empathy and they can walk with people. You know, my goal my goal was okay, I want to connect, you know, I want to connect civilians with veterans. And I want, you know, I know that the only way that we can get through life, you know, through the pain, through the loss is together. Mm -hmm. I I felt like, okay, if I can merge these two groups and we partner with each other and we walk through lives together, then we may not only be able to change lives, but we may be able to save lives. And because uh, I know that you know there's a lot of pre- and there's a lot of awareness being raised for veteran suicide, but you know there's people doing um, there's people doing push-ups and things like that of raising awareness. The issue is is that unless you get into somebody's live, live life, you don't know them. you don't know the struggles that they have. you don't know, the beauty or the ugliness that can be there, and you can't walk with them, you can't empathize with them. You know, you can just. And giving money isn't the answer. Being a part of somebody and serving them and loving them in spite of themselves—that's the answer. Right. And the way you. One of the best ways I had experienced that is through training, uh-huh. and um, you know the communities that I just suddenly became a part of that you know I was estranged from my family but yet I found another family and this family became therapeutic they kicked me in the backside when I needed it and then they hugged me when I needed it and so there was that the beauty there came out of that and, and so um, I started the foundation in 2008 Scott Rigsby Foundation org, and really are my my vision was to really inspire, enable, and inform—you know—really everybody, but partic- in particular, this uh, physically challenged people to live that—you uh, know—active lifestyles. Um, but it really morphed into um, this profound impact on our, our wounded, ill, and injured military, and and that's when um we became the official charity at the augusta half iron man and i remember it back so vividly back in 2012 we just had like a handful of people there maybe 25 people there yeah and, and you know we were up on top of this rooftop of this little bar and grill and kind of looking over you know the streets of of um augusta and having a great time and i, I saw the internet interaction between these families and then the veterans and how they had been kind of poking fun of each other and joining and training and encouraging and walking with each other through social media leading up to that event. So they kind of already knew each other. They were just meeting kind of for the first time and then wham, it was like this magic happened. And then they were forged, they were grafted into, through that event, they were grafted into these families. And so now they didn't feel like they could do life alone, that if their family didn't understand them or they felt kind of displaced, then they could go to their other family, their training family, their triathlon family, their running family, swimming family, biking family. They could go to this other family and they could find comfort. They could find souls. They could find rest. Because I know a part of my struggle with my own family is that you know there there came a time where we had to forget the trauma that we had all gone went through, right? Because it's reminding us. that's why you know, when families have a crisis, they will either be strengthened or will they'll be ripped apart. and they're ripped apart a lot of times because, that family simply reminds them of the trauma that they had to endure, and they can't ever create a new beginning, and I've simply tried to lay down my life uh, for this cause. I mean, when people say, what are you, what is that guy about? I hope that they would say that I'm, I'm about, that I wake up and I go to bed thinking about how I can help improve the lives of our veterans improve the lives of people who have faced catastrophic events in their families uh, and just and make their lives better I want he's about serving those people groups and making their lives better and and we have I mean when uh, our event I mean our group grew from like 25 to 50 and then it just you know last year we had over 100 people you know in a few short five years and it's just amazing the impact and people even fundraisers that were a part of it two and three years ago they talk about how impactful it was to them yeah it helped them just understand themselves better and understand family dynamics better
0: well i know as a racer it's just incredible to be a part in Augusta. I was there, and I've been there every year, not always racing, but um, since you guys have been out there, but in 2013, um, I raced, and my kids were out there spectating, and I think they were probably four and five, and one of your guys was out there. He was a double amputee. I, I don't think it was you. Um, it was
1: Cedric um, King.
0: Okay, Cedric, yeah, yeah. and yeah. Um, so the kids had the opportunity to see that and the impact on young children seeing that kind of you know relentlessness and it was just amazing and and they my son who's now nine always asks if we're going to a race is there going to be anyone there with robot legs like because he's all into transformers and (laughs) yeah (laughs) so it's such a it's such a cool thing for even the spectators to see that kind of courage and um it's just it's amazing to me and it's always amazing to me when when one of your crew runs past me (laughs) and and (laughs) And you scott have run past me before too (laughs) well i mean i I, and i love that you know
1: last year i was you know in probably the last two years um i've been on like a little gator and have been really kind of herding cats because i want them to have such a a wonderful experience. And, you know, every year, you know, we try to take a survey, like, what do you like? What, do you, what, did you, what didn't what you like? What can we do to make things better? And we've tried to be better each year because we want it to impact that community. We want Augusta to just rally around like, okay, we're going to honor these heroes. You know, we're going to, we're going to become part of that extended family then. And, you know, Cedric, uh, interesting story about uh, Cedric King is I met him earlier in that in that year and uh, and I said you know you can uh, we had run together and he had run uh, the Boston uh, was going to run Bo- the Boston Marathon and then um, uh, you know and he was able he was able to do that like the next year and um, but he he Augusta was like his first you know experience really into the triathlon world and it was life-changing for here's a guy who now is asked to speak at all these different corporations and he's part of the Carolina Panthers you know family and and was at the Super Bowl and encouraging those guys and I mean it's just amazing to see a guy that was laying in the hospital bed just a few short months earlier and in you know in the big scheme of things and I remember him almost knocking me over like in when I went to go visit Walter Reed the military hospital that he was at he was almost knocking me over saying hey you're that guy you're that guy from the TV yeah mm-hmm. he's like, you know, I, I was laying in their bed, and I saw you finish that race, and wow, that's crazy. I, I mean, what? How, how did you do that? And you know, and that just really started. That was our introduction. It wasn't, hey, my name's Cedric. It was like you're that guy, <laughs> right? And and you know, I've, I've been able to be that guy, right. you know, for so many people because you know, just like the Tony Myers and the Pete Higgins and. You know, so many people like um, the Holbrook family, Bill and Marjan Holbrook, and Mike Lindhart, so many of these people. Oh, I
0: love Mike. Hi, Mike.
1: (laughs) I mean, so many of these people have been that guy for me. And, you know, to honor the sacrifices of the Holbrooks, you know, of the, you, you know, of like Mike Linhart's of the world and uh the Tony Myers, the Pete Higgins and so many more. I mean, literally we we could spend a podcast naming right. you know, people who've made an impact. I mean, because, you know, they, those were my guys, those were my gals that came into my life and and you know, you know, when when they see me doing good work um, or they hear about me doing good work, then they should take pride that their investment was not in vain and that it has reaped uh, the rip- ripple effects, has actually caused tidal waves um, around the world. I'm, I wanted to share this real short story with you. Um, in, um, in 1989, I was, with, I was in college and I was with one of my sisters, and I was still dealing with an undiagnosed traumatic brain injury I'm still dealing with, you know, still trying to come to grips with this leg that was just badly injured and I was walking around with it, this right leg that I'm still trying to learn how to use a prosthetic device and only three years post amputation. And, you know, in those kind of months of like winter, there's just so much soul searching and there's so much just... Um, reflection, like, kind of of our lives, young or old. We just, those times when it gets dark at 3.30, it's just, you know, you really do, or at least I do, I mean, I really kind of figure out kind of where I am. Mm-hmm. And I had had this moment that I just, I was just in tears, just tears streaming down my face. Was, you know, my, my heart was was aching. And I, and I just knew that, like I talked to my sister, my sister's linear life path would be from like ground zero to like uh, Mount Whitney. I mean, it just pretty much goes straight. Like, okay, straight A student, did well in college. You know, responsible person, got married, had kids, having grandkids. I mean, that's just you know very responsible. Mine. It looks like a jigsaw puzzle, you know. Right. Um, It's crazy. And so I just told her, I said, I'm supposed to do something that is going to impact the world. I'm supposed to do something that will literally tens of millions of people around the world will see what's going to happen. And um, she looked at me like I I was crazy and thought, oh, man, you know, you just don't know about the world this is insane it was almost like there's a biblical story about in the old testament of joseph you know and the story about joseph coming to his brothers and you he say hey i'm gonna rule you know be rule of the world one day and they're like okay we're gonna throw you in this, this dungeon we don't like you anymore anyways and it, and it did not look that way for a long time that he would and the, as the story goes he did he was put in charge of you know the greatest empire in the world at that time, and his brothers had to end up bowing bowing to him. And I just I just knew something I knew I could make a difference in the world. So fast forward uh, 25 years later from that time, and um, the foundation's going great. Things were traveling a lot, impacting a lot of lives and i get this call from universal studios about how they want to take my story and they want to put this story uh, into they want to use it as a modern day unbroken story the the story about louise Amberini, the famous world war ii veteran that was shot down in prison for a long time right uh he was coming they were coming out with a movie angelina jolie was directing it was a big deal and and so they had sent out this you know request and they got 25 thousand people sent in their stories. Well, mine was submitted by somebody and and it was chosen of three of those main stories. Well, they showed the two stories on NBC and uh, leading up to Christmas Day. Christmas Day was going to be the, when they released the event, the, the movie premiere. And so I they had two very inspirational stories and then mine was chosen um, uh, and Morales from the day show flew down, she filmed a segment, but then they chose to show that Christmas Eve of, 2000, uh, of 2014, and I was sitting uh, in South Georgia with my mom, and we were watching uh, that program, and it was a little five-and-a-half-minute segment, came out, it talked about the Iron Man, but more importantly, it talked about what... Um, my foundation and how the impact that we had made on on pe- people and the lives of our veterans. And so watch a little five-minute segment, and then one minute later, I get a text message from one of my friends in Australia, which with the time zones, it's now Christmas Day there. And he said, hey, I just want to tell you, I watched the NBC segment. It was wonderful, amazing. Keep doing what you're doing. Love how you're giving your life away. One minute later, I get another text message from somebody in Anchorage Alaska and it did the same thing you know say just a note of encouragement hey we love what you're doing we love what your foundation's about we love that you're helping veterans and change their lives and you know I realized that I just that that conversation with my sister 25 years earlier popped in my head and I was like wow that just happened because this segment went to tens of millions of people around the world not just the Ironman coverage, I was on the Ironman coverage both times in 2007 2011 but this was like it really drove it home okay here's a guy that in 2005 didn't want to live anymore right. was figuring out what is the easiest way to take my life and then this vision of playing a role in a bigger story, and that story, the service of others, started, was birth that day, right. and it just began to grow, and I felt like that I had, you know, this child that had graduated, you know, um, and I felt like that was graduation day for me, that it was, you know, in terms of being able to be impactful to the lives of veterans and their family, that. family that was it. That um, I mean, it just—it was a very special moment f- for me. That um, that I could have died then and said, okay, you know, I I wouldn't have gone to my grave with regrets. That right. I, that I had made a difference.
0: Right. So let's talk about this year's Augusta and what are you guys so. If someone teams up with one of your veterans for the Ironman, the Half Ironman Augusta race, which is a 1.2-mile swim, 56-mile bike, and a half-marathon, um, what tell us what that entails and what it's about and why we should get involved.
1: Well, I mean, I'll go back. Our ultimate goal is, is we want, we have about 30 veterans that, that we want to sponsor uh, to be able to be there, to go there. Um, our fundraising goal for for each uh, person is uh, 2500 and then um, uh, for for the individual and then we have a thousand dollars per person if you wanted to do a relay race because there's some people who have approached us like listen you know I, I don't I just like swimming and I want to I want to cheer I want to ride around I want to cheer the guys and gals on you know or somebody I just want to ride a bike or I just want to run whatever they're You know, we have relay teams, and some of these relay teams we have partnered with veterans, but um, we are still up against the – we still are very – we're up against the clock against trying to raise money to get those veterans. We, We have more veterans right now than we have finances to be able to bring them. We want to be able to bring all those, and at least probably eight to ten of those are, you know, combat, you know, hardened veterans, and then the other veterans have 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 some of them have, you know, invisible uh, injuries. So we want to be able to bring as many veterans as we can, and so obviously the more funds that we raise, this is, you know, we just try to do one thing right. You like, hey, what is your foundation do? We want to do one thing right. We've been doing this one thing right you know uh, in the past years and we have a generous donator donor who they'll give a thousand dollars toward the fundraising efforts of the next 20 people to sign up for Augusta by July 4th um, so instead of raising $2,500 uh, to get themselves and, and the Wounded Hero uh, to Augusta and then they'll only need to raise like
0: 1500 okay yeah so, are you are it's you not. actually paired up with a veteran, or is it um, just kind of a team sponsorship type um, dynamic?
1: Um, we can we can pair people we can pair people up. That is the ultimate goal. You know, I would say last year we had between thirty and forty veterans, and we'd have you know uh, maybe sixty five fundraisers. We would like that number to be equal, but we need, we would need more funds to be able to bring that, um, that number together. Okay. And so that, that's the old, you know, that's our ultimate goal is, is to every year is to, to match, match the numbers of veterans that we can bring with fundraisers.
0: Okay. So for this. Race coming up in September. You have how many slots available for people who would like to race and raise? Now we they have to raise fifteen hundred versus twenty five hundred. Correct? Yeah, we okay. have
1: we have fifty um, slots right now.
0: Okay. Very cool. Very cool. So how can they learn more? Is it ScottRigsbyFoundation.org? Is that where all the information is? Found,
1: yeah, Foundation uh, ScottRigsbyFoundation Okay. And if they, you know, if they have questions, you know, they can just shoot us an email and, you know, uh, shoot us their number. We can either email them back. We can call them. We'd love, uh, to talk to them about, uh, partner with our, our heroes.
0: Okay. Well, very good, Scott. Thanks for taking the time to tell us a little bit about your story and, um, for information on this Augusta race, we'll post that up in the show notes and, and also the foundation. So is there anything else that, um, are you always looking for folks to race? Will you be doing this for Augusta next year? Is there other things on the horizon?
1: Um, like I said, we try to do really, you know, this one thing right for the foundation. Uh-huh. Um, we, have, we have partnered with uh, our good, good friends over at Camp Twin Lakes to, to put on some um, warrior family weekends uh, where we bring in, um, you know, like 15 families from the different bases around Georgia. We love on them, give counseling for the warrior spouses and kids, and we try to create networks uh, and community, community that weekend with these families so that they have a support system outside of their families. And so we, we have had as many as uh, five or six camps um, during the year. But our, our, main, our main focus um, is Augusta because through social media, um, we connect the family, the, the, the veterans, the fundraisers together. But then, like I said, when that magic happens in Augusta, those friendships that family is birthed there and we try to cultivate and we try to nurture we try to water we try to grow that relationship and that support system throughout the year
0: very cool well thank you scott and i look forward to seeing you guys in augusta this year
1: absolutely well thank you so much for allowing me to be uh, on your podcast and and uh, happy training
0: Thank you. Talk soon.
1: Yes, ma'am.